I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre. This is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, I'm joined by James Mann, co-manager of the Church House 10X Absolute Return Fund. James, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Darius. Well, we live in interesting times. We're having a quick chat off air, and it's certainly interesting. Um, But I've always thought of you as a sort of fairly calm, collected investor. What's your view on um, what's happening in markets we can go wherever you see, want to go, whether you want to go bonds or equities or UK or beyond. What, 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 what's it feel like out there at the moment? Okay, well, thank you for the compliment, Darius. Um, really, we have to sort of stand back and reflect that it is all about inflation. It is still all about inflation. And uh, that, that holds the key to it. Uh, yeah. What we have found is that... You know, We've had a little local difficulty in the UK, which has rather thrown a spanner in the works. But on the other hand, it has meant that an awful lot of things that needed to be corrected have corrected very, very quickly. Um, And we have to be a bit careful with inflation because it's a lagging indicator. um, And it certainly is lagging at the moment. We've... um, so many of the components are actually going our way. So, I mean, the oil price has come off really quite significantly. It's now trading around the $90.92 area, having been up closer to $130 in March. Um, possibly locally more interesting is the European gas prices, which have really collapsed. I mean, having hit that around 339 euro, I think it was, in August when Putin got his gas attack underway. Um, when I back down at about 120 euros, so there's been a very significant turnaround there. So that's got to be encouraging. And actually, it's also got to be a big help from the point of view of the chancellor and trying to change his his policies on the <laughs> energy support. Um, we've also seen it. We've seen it the metal markets. Coppers are a long way back down from peak, about thirty percent off. We've seen freight rates are way down, um, and crucially, China is slowing. China is slowing. The uh, COVID policies are slowing the economy there, and the uh, Chinese property market is really weighing on their economy. So, what we're seeing is actually a lot of deflationary forces at work. So I am expecting that inflation will peak out in the next few months. Um, I, I know we, we've um, we felt this for a little while, but it does feel like that that's the direction of travel. And it really is that inflation that, that, that's key. And do, do you expect, I mean, are you in the back to 2% inflation camp anytime in the next, say, 24 months? Or do you just think... It needs to stop going up firstly and then potentially start coming down, even if it only comes down. I mean, let's let's approximate and call it 10% across Europe. Yeah. Um, obviously, 6% is far more agreeable. But, or, or do you just see that energy price part of the inflation being so vast that actually we could be back to four or five within a year or so? Um, I think we come back down. I, I think hoping it's coming back down to two is a little ambitious at the moment. I, I think we've got to expect the um, if it gets back down to three, four, we're going to be very pleased about it. Yes. Um, and just as it surprised on the upside, it might well surprise when it comes back down again. But um, I think that's I think that's the way of it, um, and it does lag. Um, 
and clearly that central banks are playing catch up in a big way. Um, and history tells us, and I've done quite a lot of looking back at previous periods of inflation and what really the market is looking for in the broadest sense of market is that time when it really feels that the Federal Reserve has got a grip on things again. Um, and I suspect we're quite close to that now. Um, the, the, there's no doubt that Jay Powell is, is tightening quite aggressively um, and people are beginning to believe him. You know, we're going to see US rates up another, up another leg or two yet. Um, whether or not they'll get right up at US rates, the base there is at three and a quarter percent. I mean, I guess we can get it up to four and a half, four and three quarters, that sort of area. But at that stage, I think we're going to see a pretty steeply downward sloping yield curve. Sorry, that sounds a bit weirdly technical, but with US short rates that high, I don't think US long rates are going to be that high. So um, that points towards some sort of recession in the States. But let's just explain that then for our, for our listeners. What that means is on the chart of yield on the y-axis and duration by length of time is that you're getting paid more to borrow at the short end. So if I loan to you for two years, you'll pay me more than if I loan to you for 10 years. That is counterintuitive, isn't it? And a signal of recession historically. It is counterintuitive. And what's been quite interesting in the last um, last week as we've had all this um, chaos in UK markets is that the UK uh, yield curve has actually gone back to what might be called the correct area. So we, we've now got uh, short rates in the UK trading. This is two-year rates in the UK trading around 3.5%. Um, and 30-year rates at 4.5%, um, pivoting around a 10-year at 4%, which is the same level in the States. US 10-year rates are at 4%. Yeah. Um, UK, we're going to get base rates up. They're still at two and a quarter. They're lagging a bit, to be fair to the bank. And I want to be fair to the bank at the moment because I think they've behaved well in the last couple of weeks. Um their previous rate-setting meeting was just before that fiscal event. Yeah. So um, I, I think one can forgive them for only putting rates up 50 basis points at that time. So um, UK base rate, two and a quarter now, I think we'd be expecting 75 basis points, so up to 3% in November. Um, I don't think we're going to get as far as four. I think UK rates can probably get to three and a half. Um, but that it, it is actually now a healthier shape than in the US. Yeah. So we've touched briefly on the mini budget uh, as we're recording. We're recording a day after the massive U-turn. And one of the outputs of that mini budget was, of course, a massive run on our currency versus pretty much all the other major currencies. Something that you highlighted as a potential in your last monthly update. Were you privy to the then Chancellor's um, crazy suggestions or, or, or was there ah. something else behind your thinking? I'm always delighted to hear that someone's been reading my updates, Harris. Um, I, I I think we have to, I mean, Sterling has been a bit of a whipping boy and it is a bit of a, I have to say, it is a bit of a sideshow, really. Um, it is, it's all about the dollar. 
Yes, it's, a, it's exactly. So the dollar's been dominating yen and euro and everything. It's not just us. Exactly, exactly so. And the, the dollar is right back up at the top of the range. Um, and it feels to me as if the dollar's probably gone far enough um, and that at, at, at this stage, sterling is probably going to steady. But the actual move on sterling's um, trade-weighted index is, is not very big. It's only a few percentage points, and it's our freely floating currency. So um, I think all the focus on sterling was slightly the BBC, um, and the, the, the really important bit was what was going on in the gilt market. It yeah. was the gilt market saying no. Um, and I, I think I mean it's always worth just pointing out that quite extraordinary move in the index linked market um, is that the index linked gilt market isn't a very liquid market at the best of times. But um, I'm just to take an example. There, there was a new index linked issue came out last November. Uh, it's a very long dated one, 2073. So it works for people with long dated liabilities like pension funds. And it was issued at a price, this is an index price of £3.56. And in mid September, that fell to 50 pence. And it is the most extraordinary move yeah. I mean, for an illiquid market, but nonetheless a gilt market to move that dramatically. It is. Uh, a staggering repricing of long-term interest rates. Not, I mean, uh, you and I have spoken about this lots in in the past. We've long thought that long-term rates were way too low, but it's been corrected in a trice, in absolute trice, and um, suddenly they're interesting again. So I think that brings me then swiftly on to what opportunities are these incredible market conditions offering you as a, a long-term investor, but yourself and Jerry, you know, you 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 do a lot with fixed income, gilts, and and other fixed income, which maybe we'll touch on a little bit. Um, are bonds now attractive, having been sort of not super yielding for quite a long period of time, both government and investment grade? Um, well, the short answer is yes, they are. I mean, they have moved so quickly that yes, they are. Um, we're still going to add the caveat. That there's not much point in going long because short dated bonds now offer so much um, potential for return that they are very attractive. Um, and within Tenax, I can say that we have our our book of corporate bonds um, that have a duration of less than four. Um, so. Uh, Perhaps shouldn't go into duration and, and, and time periods, but anyway, they're, they're short dated bonds. But the average price of these bonds is close to 80 pence in the pound. Yeah. So, the, my, my point is the very simple one that these are short dated bonds, these are investment grade bonds, they're going to repay at par at 100. So, there is the Capital opportunity. Well, there's a near 25% capital return in there, beside the fact that they've got very high yields too. So that that suddenly to me is 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 a great opportunity. And it's a much more reliable opportunity than moving out to longer dated yields. And albeit longer dated yields 
have snapped back to the very long-term averages, um, and they've snapped back to the yields that were around uh, before the financial crisis. So yes, they're much more interesting, but I'm quite sure we see the point in taking the risk at the moment when we have those phenomenal opportunities at the short end of the market. So you've always said that the Tenax Fund looks to exploit mispricing opportunities that arise at these periods of extreme volatility extreme periods of volatility outside of the gilt and, and the bond market. Where, where else are you seeing those opportunities? Are, are equities op, um, offering good value or some of the alternatives, which I know that you, you, you like historically? Um, equities possibly are, yes. Um, they've the, 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 the correction vis-a-vis gilts. I mean, it's interesting to see that, again, if we focus on the UK, UK equity yields are now the same as uh, long-term gilt yields. So we're back to one for one in terms of, of yields. And that's been uh, a ratio that's been distorted for, for a long time. Um, so it's, it's good to see that. And relatively yeah. speaking, it makes the gilt actually look slightly more attractive than the equity. But equities have derated very significantly, particularly in the UK, they, they uh, derated so much. And of course, the weak pound tends to help UK equities. We we can export more easily, and of course, we have a, a lot of. Well, at the bigger end of the market, we have a lot of um, big dollar earners. But the really, if you like, cheap area of the market looks to be in the FTSE two hundred and fifty and below, um, where prices have fallen a very very long way. And interestingly, we've got cropping up uh, across the board. One of those um, funny little old indicators of um, yield exceeding price earnings ratio is popping up again in lots of mid and small cap companies. Um, And it just seems to us that, yeah, maybe this is looking a little bit overdone in some areas, the equity market. So, yes, I feel more constructive on, if you like, risk assets, to use the awful term, than, than I have for a while, because we've had this extraordinary, we've had this blowout. Yeah. I can't say uh, the same about the Conservative Party. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, maybe there's a correlation there that, that wasn't previously obvious. Let's go back into fixed income. And I know an area that, that, that you, you guys are, are experts in and, and do use a lot is floating rate notes. Would you be as good as to give us a fairly layman's exp- uh, explanation as to what they are and how they differ when rates go up or go down than a conventional bond, which is extremely sensitive to interest rate rises and falls? Yes, okay. Um, um, these tend to be issued by um, big banks and financial institutions. Um, and the interesting part to us is literally that floating rate. So the interest rate that is paid on these bonds floats up with short-term interest rates or down, as the case may be. So if one goes back a year or so ago, these uh, these bonds would have been paying interest rates of perhaps 50 half a percent or so more than whatever the base rate was at the time. Um, But as interest rates have gone up in the market, so the interest rates on these bonds go up. 
Um, the joy of that is it means that the capital values of these bonds stays steady. Um, and that's what's happened over the uh, course of this um, pretty grim first three quarters of the year. Yeah. So floating rate notes have stayed steady throughout. Um, and the interest rates we're getting off them go up and up. And that's great. We like that. Well, James, thank you very much for running us through um, a fairly interesting, if not topsy-turvy uh, market, both with respect to equities and bonds, but particularly the gilt market, which uh, I know you and Jerry follow very closely. If you'd like more information on the Church House Tenux Absolute Return Fund, please do visit fundcaliber.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. <laughs>